Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Welcome to the Granary's VIPs Ministries' first ever podcast. My name is Sam Paul. Pili, I'm the pastor of the VIPs ministry here at the Granary Church. And today I have a great privilege uh, to interview uh, one of our VIP leaders and our lovely church members and also incredible people, men and women of God, uh, Mark and Pam Hallett here with us. Mark and Pam, welcome to the Granary Podcast, and oh, thank simple. you for joining us. Hi, thank you. it's good great to be, to be here. here. Yes. yes, thank you. Um, it's so good to have you here, and you guys are such a great inspiration. And uh, the the heart that you have for people uh, is incredible, and for the kingdom. And so, uh, for the to begin with, how did you guys meet? Hmm, I good might question. Yeah, yeah, I might start with that one. Um, we both met as young people. Um, we went to different churches, but the church I was going to had a really good youth group, Christian Endeavour in those days. So Mark came across as a young teenager, went to Christian Endeavour. We meet, met and rather a long courtship, uh, married, had a couple of kids um, and continued very heavily in church, very involved. Back in those days, I was the church organist, so we were oh, heavily right. involved. Yes, back in those days, don't have that now, but yeah. I was the church organist, so we were very heavily involved with that. You know, you have, have to, only had one church organist, so you had to be at all the services to deal all with day. that. Yeah. Every, every Sunday. Day, every Sunday. Day, every and Sunday. also Sunday school, there was no one to play for Sunday school, so I'd nick out and play for Sunday school, and um, we would do that. And so we just had a normal family life, have two children, um, one of the significant parts is that I, I went to a church that preached believers' baptism. Mark yeah. went to a church that didn't t- teach believers' baptism. So going through that journey in church, God really convicted Mark that for the need to be baptised. He fought that for a, a number of years. Yeah. But eventually yeah, God got… Yeah, I used got, to hang on to the back of the pulpit. <laughs> uh, not the, the pulpit, the, 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 the pew pews. when we had a baptism. Yeah. But God eventually… Um, softened his heart and he was baptised. And that was a significant part of our life because after that he became very, very involved in the church and God started to move in his life significantly. Wow, that's great to hear. So we started going out at 15. 15? 15 we were when we started going out together and we got married at 21. And and this was in Newcastle. Yes, in Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. Newcastle yeah. Yes, we lived in yeah. Newcastle all Trinal our lives. Yes. yes, and <laughs> yeah. still are here. Yeah. Yes. So I'd been brought up in a, a very close religion. Yeah. And then my family left, and I left with them at about thirteen or fourteen. And then I went across to Pam's church, and I met Pam, and I was amazed because I I just thought she was beautiful. Yes. And I loved her from day one, you know. Yeah. And it was really good. Yeah. So you said you've been married for a long time. So yeah. what, how 52 many? Fifty-two years. Fifty-two years. 52 wow. Years, yes. And yeah. two children. Two yep. children. And how many grandchildren? I have four grandchildren. Two oh. boys. Two girls. They're um, the oldest is turning fourteen next week, oh, and the wow. youngest is ten. Yeah, so you yes. just came out of school holidays, so how was That's your That's right, very busy, very busy school holidays <laughs> yeah. with grandchildren, yeah. but it's it's a lovely time of life to yeah, have um, those grandchildren around. Yeah. We really enjoy having them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, growing up, raising the family in Newcastle, so what was your work like in you know early days uh, as raising as a family? You both were working? 
We both were working. I worked in a, a secretarial uh, position. Mark well, I started out jobs. as a librarian and then I had a couple of jobs and then we opened a business, printing business. Wow. Yeah, when we were about 22, yeah. 23. So mm. – And became very involved with the printing, with the business, um, huge part of our life, of course. Yeah. You know, you're very, very busy. Um, and as so how, how long – sorry. Yes, go ahead. Sorry. No. <laughs> now, how, how, how long did you have this business for? Oh, over 20 years, I think. We was about that sort of number and we started out, we set it up from the ground up and, and worked through that. And um, in the middle of that, we got the call of the Lord upon our lives and we started to do evangelism. So we were working the business during the week and yeah. we were out with a team of about 12 people yeah. traveling around New South Wales and, and doing evangelism in different churches and, and towns and villages and cities. Wow. So... You said you've been doing this, uh, working full time, yeah. And on the week weekends yeah. you're doing ministry. So you said you got a call of God when you were working. So how did that happen, Mark? I think God. Once I got baptized, Sam Paul, it started that God started to work in my spirit, and so I left a lot of the other things that I'd been involved with, and I started to move into the church, and and I was picked up by an older gentleman who was the secretary of the church, and he started to teach me and mentor me how to walk with God and how to work in ministry. And he taught me how to um, run services and preach and, and all this sort of thing, but impacted me with the work of, of the Holy Spirit and what was going on. And so I ended up moving through the church and doing different different things. Yeah. But there was a call of life that came, yeah. came on me from the Lord when yeah. we were about my 28, um, just after I was baptized. And we'd moved churches and we'd gone to another church and – we st- we really felt that they wanted us to or wanted me to take on the secretarial role in the church as they had in those days, but I really felt God calling me into evangelism, and so yeah, Pam right. and I talked it through, and I said to them, um, "Look, I can't do this. I have to be an evangelist." And the person that came to see me, the deacon, said, well, if you're going to do that, I'll take on the church's role of secretary and administration. You mm-hmm. go and do evangelism, and yeah. I will organise for you around the state. So yeah. we put together a team by faith of about 12 people yeah, right. um, and Vicky Ben who comes to this church was one of one our of first singers. soloists mm-hmm. and right. we so we we did children's work we did soloists we did we would do um, lunches and suppers and dinners and wow. services and all this sort of thing and just do evangelism many and people came to the Lord many through people that. came many people. because we were mm. going to towns and, and cities and yeah. we would gather together the churches and we'd go we're just preaching Jesus yes and so we'd bring this team in yeah and and we would we were flying around the state in little aircraft we were getting them from the Seventh Day Adventist wow. Church and other people and we had people who were Christian pilots and they'd fly us around oh, wow. and we'd fly around the state so we, we would fly from here to like Grafton and then we'd spend a weekend in Grafton and we'd fly down to the south coast of New South Wales or out west yeah. to parks or forbes or dubbo or somewhere like that and we'd go in for a weekend and we would we would actually do everything we would do children's programs we'd do children's talks we'd do evangelism we would do dinners we would do ladies lunches men's breakfast wow. all this sort of wow, thing wow that's incredible and, and we would see things happen in naruma for instance at one Sunday morning, we were in church and in the school auditorium because we had six churches in that town coming mm-hmm. together to do evangelism, and and the Lord just said to me, "I want you to speak about about 
creation mm-hmm. and against evolution. And eight teachers from the high school came to the Lord on that Sunday wow. morning. That's, but in that whole weekend, there was well over 100, there was nearly 200 people, children and adults, who came to, to faith in Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. we saw this all around the state, and then we went into Queensland. We did our back patrol where you flew by plane into the indigenous communities and preached there and did all these sort of things. Wow. So we did that. That was taking up every second or third weekend. We had good babysitters. <laughs> we had good babysitters from our parents. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, what an incredible uh, ministry that God has yeah. uh, placed in your hands that you're good, able to go through, fly, travel yeah. across the roads and, you know, do amazing ministry. It was cheaper to fly by small aircraft. Yeah, right. And take 12 people in two aircraft and fly in together. Oh, and yeah. of course, when you're going in out west of New South Wales and you're flying in, yeah. you know, the evangelism team's coming and they're coming in two aircraft. Well, that was a big thing in the city. We, we got in the newspapers and everything. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it was That's quite amazing. Wow. I mean, but in, yeah, but in doing that, um, it then caused issues issues with the business. Mm. Can, I, can I pause you there? Before you go into the business, I, w- I really want to see your hear your perspective when Mark had to say, okay, this is what I'm going to, this is the calling of God. And how did your role come into play as a mother, as a wife, and, and to support Mark through this? I know with a young <laughs> family, well, it really, wasn't a smooth, easy wasn't. road. And I can't say that I accepted um, that graciously. Yeah. Um, I wasn't overly happy and I really had to come to terms with it was God first, it wasn't me first. Yeah. Um, but I did struggle with it. I didn't, you know, as I said, I didn't graciously say, yes, go on, do God's work because the commitment was then that I was going to be left behind. Initially, when we were going to work in Australia, I wasn't left behind because we I did. Together. We travelled together, mm-hmm. but as time went on, and as I said, we were in business, and he was going further afield. We st- there started to be problems with the business, and as time we were going through a bad time in Australia because we've had very very high uh, interest rates, so the business was struggling with all of that as well, and the loans and things like that. Um, so with that, we ended up having a business fall over and we lost a lot of money because we were Christian people. We thought it wasn't right to go broke basically. Uh, so we chose to sell our house to pay the debts, which then meant we lost the business. We lost the house. We lost the ministry. We lost the cars. We lost our car. Yes. We lost everything. Which means you put literally put your family on on the side of the road. Basically, we mm, had a little bit of money left over, yeah. little, a little bit of money left over, and we were able to purchase a, a very small little bungalow. Mm. Very angrily, yeah, we moved into it. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of moved from the mansion to you know to the bungalow. <laughs> um, and we were angry with God through yeah. all of that. Because you would, you know, it, from a secular point of view, people could look at you and say, uh, you had a very successful business and then you, you went after, you know, t- uh, preaching the gospel. And then now you lost your business and you don't have income and you know, all these things come into play. So in that time, how did you find comfort in the Lord? Well, let me tell you the story about the business because the business had got into a very bad state and we'd paid 
the debt out. We didn't have a bank debt. We had some current debts, but nothing of a great deal because we spent the house money on it. Yes. And a Christian businessman was going to liquidate the company for us, right, and just wind it up. Mm. And so voluntary I went to liquidation. Voluntary liquidation. Mm. It wasn't bankruptcy. We yeah. never went bankrupt. We just voluntarily liquidated. And he, um, I went to see him and he said to me, he said, I think, and he came out of our ch- the church that we were going to, he said, I think you need to make a decision today, Mark. And I said, what's that, Ian? And he said, well, I think you need to choose whether you're going to be a businessman because I can fix that and make you a very wealthy man or whether you're going to be a preacher. And you have to make a choice today what you're going to do, what you want to do. So I sat and looked at him for a while and I said, I think I want to be a preacher. And his response was, okay, give me the keys to your business. And I said, what? And he said, give me the keys to your business. You don't go back in that building again and you don't go to work tomorrow. And I'm like, hang on, I've been in 23 years running this business and now you want the keys. He said, yes, give me the keys. So I handed him the keys over and then I had to go home and tell Pam we wound the business up. We didn't have jobs. Had no jobs. And what was your response, Pam? Well, I knew we were in trouble. Um, Mm. It it wasn't a good time. I can't tell you it was a good time. It wasn't a good time because it was like, what do we do tomorrow? Thankfully, we had family who were very supportive, but it was still, what do we do tomorrow? We don't have a job. After 23 23 years years of working. And we were both working in the the business. Yeah, handing the keys back in. So what, what? We had a mortgage. We had yeah. school fees. I had a child that was at St Phillips at that stage. How do you pay the bills? We had no money in the bank. We didn't even have cars. They were taken as well because they went. were all in the business. Everything went. Wow. But so, so you would say this was your like lowest point of your life. Very like low. That, yeah. Very low. Yeah. One of them. And, <laughs> yeah. one of them. And, and I think it was one of the lowest. And yeah. the thing is that um, Mark had also lost his passion, which was preaching. And because we'd lost oh. the business, people don't look at you favourably. Mm. So, mm. you know, the ministry had gone. At that time, a very wise man said to Mark, you may have lost the business, but God hasn't taken your anointing. Yes. And but as you look back in hindsight, that was very significant mm-hmm. because Extremely. you kind of think, I'm at my lowest, I've lost everything. Mm but God hadn't taken the anointing. So we struggled. Mark got another job. I got a job. Um, it's amazing how God actually steps in and works, mm. you know, because I, I had a pastor's wife who she was an accountant doing a job that she didn't want to do and offered me the job. Yeah, right. So I took the job on and Mark actually got a job. He went to work for the Newcastle Morning Herald as a salesman because his father had been the manager of the Newcastle Morning Herald and he knew some people. So slowly things started to right themselves. But it was in that time of adversity that we really had to stand and evaluate our faith. Mm, Yes. Um, We found that and I've said this before, that we were wearing the helmet of salvation, but we were naked from the neck down. Mm. There's a writer from South Africa, Ray McCauley, who wrote a book, God is an Awesome God. Yeah. And I read it, that statement in that book, that we wear the helmet of salvation, but we're naked from the neck down wow. because we don't know what's available to mm. us as being part of the family of God. So God took us on a journey of relearning yeah. and showing us who he was, um, 
who we are in Christ. And I think that was the biggest thing that mm. we learned through that mm. was who we are in Christ. The Bible is full of so many promises and treasures, but if we don't know what's in the Word of God, yeah. how can you claim them? Yeah. How can you stand on them? How can you see the faithfulness of God? You can't so good. Yeah. So can't we, we went on a journey of of kind of all that traditional belief being sucked out of our mind and God re-infilling it yeah. with what he wanted to teach us. And it was through all of that, and, and that went on for a number of years, and it was through all of that that um, Mark then received a letter from Africa because yeah. he'd been to Billy Graham's evangelistic um, association conference for itinerant evangelists yeah. in yeah. Amsterdam oh. many, many years earlier yeah. and met a group of Africans. Right. And strangely enough, going through all this turmoil, this letter arrives out of the out of nowhere. nowhere. Really. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about the letter was that it was sent to Mark Hallett, Newcastle. That was the only address on it. Right. And and some people from another church, different different church that we'd ever been to. Yes. He, he turned up one day and he said, "I think this is your letter," <laughs> and it was an invitation to go back to Africa. And that was the only well, to way to Africa would never the first have known time. Otherwise, yeah. mm. and that was that was the first time. And so, what year this would be, Mark? And Oh, the first trip to uh, yeah, eighty eight, eighty nine, something like eighty seven was the first time I went to yeah. Africa. Um, that was the first time in and, and did a crusade. That was scary because we got put into the slums in Africa. Martin, yes. I, I went by myself and we yeah. got put into couldn't the slums. couldn't afford two FS. No. Yes, um, and um, we I'd never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah, wow. I was terrified. I was I was absolutely terrified. And the interesting thing was they said to me, well, when you preach the gospel, will you then pray for the sick? And I was a conservative, traditional church, you know, church person, and I said, well, I don't pray for the sick. I don't believe in that. And they said, well, um, do you preach the gospel? I said, yeah. yeah, I'm happy to preach the gospel. They said, well, will you be happy to, to pray for some people? I said, yeah, I'll pray for anybody. And I, we were in the slum. We stood, yeah. on a, we stood on a wooden box to preach, and there was a train line in front of us and, and a, some sort of sound system and, and the people were on the other side of the train line and so when I finished preaching and people had made a decision and the train had gone through in the middle of the appeal, did it every night, <laughs> right, just arrived in the middle of the appeal and we had to start again, we, they then said, well, these people need to be prayed for. So I prayed for them yes. and the next night I came back and this woman's up there and she said, I, I've got a goiter coming out of the side of my neck Whoa. like this and the hand was about six inches away from my neck. And everybody's going, yes, amen. She said, and it's totally gone. And wow. I'm sitting there and I'm looking and I'm going, I've got something wrong with my theology. Here. Yeah. Mm. And so we started searching and, right. and found, you know, the Holy Spirit more than we had. We'd been taught we had it, but, but we needed more of it and we needed to get involved in that. And that was how it all started to run Whoa. like that. It was just amazing. Wow, that's incredible. So did you have a chance to go to any of the overseas trips with uh, Mark later Well, Mark on? went a number of times because it was costly. Yes. And as time moved on, he then felt that he needed to go and work full time for the Lord mm. doing overseas work. Um, that We'd learned a lot and we mm. knew that God would sustain our needs uh, if we believed. Mm. 
So that was a big move for Mark then to decide that he would go full-time. What would the impact be on the family? Um, how, how do you survive, you know? How do you pay air tickets to travel? Yeah. How do you cope with all of that? But we had learned so much that we knew that God would never leave us or forsake us. Mm-hmm. We knew we, we'd learned who we were in Christ and we knew and we listened to a lot of ministry. The television mis- ministries were very um, impacting on us at the time. There were some great ministries coming through, better ones now, but mm-hmm. great ones coming through. We'd go to church in the morning, come home, turn the television on and listen yeah. to these faith preachers. Faith ourselves. Yeah, feed ourselves, just sit of a night and listen Mm. to these faith preachers. And it just, they they taught us who we were in Christ. They taught us that, Mm. you know, if they taught us to be givers because we went through a big issue with tithing. Yeah. um, And they taught us to be givers that if we give, give, God would give back to us in abundance. Yes. And as we moved through this, we thought, yes, we can do this. He can go. We can live by faith. God will supply our needs. I also had a job, so that would supplement that as well. Mm. And so we went on this faith journey and Mark worked. It was all by, all by faith. All by faith. Yeah. We, wow. we had no money. Yeah. But we, we travelled the world. Yeah. We flew here. We flew there. We paid all our bills. We never we never imposed a, a charge on anybody. Yeah, wow. We were paying electricity bills for crusades in Africa and things like this because they couldn't afford it. Wow. But we were teaching the people at the same time. But we flew around the world and God never missed out. We always paid our air tickets. That's we always incredible. had our accommodation, yes. didn't we? We were always we weren't living flash. We yeah. weren't flash. We were we were pretty scruffy. Yeah. After a, a, um, a couple of trips to Africa, and Mark went about 17 or 18 times, um, I then had the opportunity to go. And that was a tremendous impact because um, I used I I didn't handle a lot of this graciously, and I would get rather angry that he's going off, traveling the world, and I'm stuck home Mm. with the family, with the children, with the bills. It must be incredibly Um, hard to just manage the whole thing, working full time as well as looking after the family. It was was really hard, and I I, I found I got, yeah, I I really suffered a bit with anger (laughs) with a lot of it. He'd Mm. go, so I wouldn't talk to him for days uh, because he's going on off on this fancy trip overseas and I'm left carrying the bag at home, actually. <laughs> the problem was I'd get in the plane and the plane would start to travel down the, the tarmac and Pam would be the only person still standing there crying. Mm. And I'm sitting in the plane crying. This in, yeah. is at Newcastle, as is. Yes. So eventually I had the opportunity to go. I went to Africa. I went to Africa twice. He went about 17 times, but I went twice. No, I've been three times actually. Mm. Um, And that was made a tremendous difference because when he went other times, I then saw the impact it was having on the people, Mm -hmm. um, the way God was... working mm. and sometimes it's good to be part of it you don't feel i didn't feel so detached and even with praying yeah. when he would go I, I knew how to pray responsibly because i knew where he was going i knew he was going into he wasn't preaching in big 
fancy auditorium. Yeah. Yeah. He was preaching mm. in the slums of Nairobi um, and in other places. So I knew that it was also dangerous. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're going no. into, into mm. a slum area and you would hear Mzungu, 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 white man's coming. Which is what coming. they call the white man. And, oh. you'd and you could hear it in front it. of you in the car driving in, Mzungu, Mzungu, Mzungu. Because they don't like Mzungus. The, yeah. You know. yeah. They were living on rubbish dumps. Yes. They were living mm. in, in squalor. Mm. And we poor, were, we were, so they'd poor. build yeah. a platform and we'd stand on the platform. I learned to preach without notes because every time I put my notes up, the wind came along and blew it away and I'd have nothing and there's two or three, four, five thousand people standing out there waiting wow. for a message. Yeah. And we were, we, at one stage, very quickly, we thought about going with Africa Inland Mission. We had about Full nearly time. 900 missionaries in Africa and we'd started, we'd gone through the process and we'd yeah. started to raise money and they came back to us and they said, um, we don't want you. And we said, well, why don't you want us? And they yeah. said, you are reaching a group of people. We've got 900 missionaries. This was the Australian guy, yeah. Alan Checkley. He said, we've got 900 missionaries in Africa and not one of them's touching the people that you're touching. And we want you to stay coming out of Australia and just keep going in. So we just kept going. Wow. And it was cheaper rather than transporting the than entire family, getting yeah. the children into boarding mm. schools and things like that. It was cheaper just to travel in three or four times a year. But then as, you know, this, this African ministry and then Mark had a call verbally to go to Russia. Right. God had a message to deliver to the Russians. This was after Chernobyl and the Iron the, Curtain the, the, had broken down mm. and the opportunity of taking the gospel into the USSR, which yeah. was breaking up, mm. um, was, it was an opportunity. And Mark was standing, you tell them the story, you were standing in the carport. I was in the carport at home, I was getting in the car to go to work because I was working and this voice behind me said, you, you are to go to Russia. Yes. So I looked around to see who was talking and there was nobody there. And yeah. I sort of stood and I realised that this was, this was like God speaking to me. And, yep. and he then said to me, you get in your car and you drive and I will tell you when I have the message for you. Wow. So I got in the car and I drove in and I thought about this and finally told Pam and she thinks I'm cracked again, of course, you know, I'm nuts. But, but, no, no, but nobody in Russia. No, knew nobody <laughs> yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. Knew absolutely nobody whatsoever. No invitation either. No, like invitation. no invitation from a church, yeah, yeah. no But you ought to go to Russia and you ought to take this message to the Russian church, right? So I'm driving down past Meriwether Bars one day and the voice in the back of my car says, yeah. pull over and write this down. And I said, like, I don't have anything to write on. He said, there's a pen and a piece of paper, a pad and a pen in the back of the car. Get on yeah. out and write this down. And he gave me a message to the, to the Russian church. This is what you are to say to Russia, that you are to, and he took some stuff out of Revelation and he said, you are to, you are to tell them that they are to stand even to the point of death because Russia is Russia and she will do what she will do. And 40 years later, look at it. Yes. Russia's coming forward again. Mm. And 40 years ago, God said, this is, this is what's going to happen, but the, the church is to stand. She's wow. And you are to stand Magog. even to death, right? And Russia's still Gog and Magog, and she will do what I planned in the Bible. Yeah. So I then wow. had to find a way to go. I ended up going to a Jewish Russian community in Melbourne and preaching down there. Somebody got me in um, to there. And then eventually <laughs> wow. I got an invitation to go to Belarus, which wasn't Russia, 
yeah. by then. It was a separate country, but we didn't know that. Yeah. And we went in and we worked in churches and we, we tried to deliver this wow. message, the two of us. Um, so tell them about the first time we went in. We no 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 visas, no We've, nothing. We had no visa. Couldn't get, couldn't get visas couldn't to get, get visas. to get into um, Belarus at that time. So we flew in to Belarus. We got into the airport. They Minsk. wanted at Minsk. Minsk. Yeah. They wanted um, visas, but we didn't have any visas. So they took both our passports, took Mark, and walked to wherever they were going to get approval for us mm. to come into the country and then turned all the lights off in the airport. So I'm left sitting Whoa. in the airport. Mark's gone. I don't have uh, I don't have a passport. I have nothing. It would have been good if I could have spoken in tongues yeah. at that yeah. time, but I couldn't. Um, <laughs> you learned quick, though. I learned quick. <laughs> um, I couldn't at that time. That's another story. But it was frightening. And eventually there was a pastor waiting for us downstairs. Mark would have come back maybe in an hour late, later. Well, it was longer than that because the guy, when I arrived, the guy then went Gone for to lunch. lunch. Yeah. What? Eventually he came back. We had approval to come into the country. There was a pastor who'd been sent by somebody waiting for us downstairs. We had no language. So we got in the car with him. Yeah. He took us all the way home. We stayed with them. Still no language. They didn't understand us. They understood German. Mark could only speak French. A bit. So we did a lot of charades. <laughs> yeah. Eventually they found a young woman who was teaching in an American school, I believe yeah, it was. Um, yeah, and she then came to the house and became our interpreter. Wow. And we then went and preached in uh, the church and things like that. Um, so we were down south. It was rather scary in a place yeah. called Chernobyl, Almost at Chernobyl. And, and we went into this church. The first church we went into, they'd never seen a Westerner before. Right. And, and it was packed out. And it was a big church and they were just wow. coming through, a bit of a revival going on. The prayer line the first night was two and a half hours long. Anybody want Ooh. prayer? <laughs> and they just came in droves and you couldn't get through through them. And we did that and we travelled out in the villages and we did all this sort of thing and around there in, in Belarus. And then we came home. Then I went back twice, twice till I got to try to, to deliver this message. And I finally got to the... Um, church in the Moscow Moscow Olympic Village that was left over from the Olympics in 1982 yeah, wow. and delivered the message to them and they said, we don't want to hear that. Wow. So I got on a plane and came back to Australia and I've never, never been back to, to Russia, but I've been to a lot of other spots as well. So, wow. So right. you've had lots of opportunities. You've yep. to India. You've been to India. A chap oh. called John Arul that came to Australia. But, um, um, talking about India, what year this would be? Mark? We're now getting oh, into the 90s. Into the 90s. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. Incredible yeah. ministry I've done. So with the India in the 90s, um, now India has developed a lot more than what it used yeah, to be. Yeah, So you would have been fairly sick when you were in well, India, we were Delhi, down, Delhi. We were down south. <laughs> no, we, no not we were down south in Madurai, well. in Tamil mm. Nadu, and we were doing a lot of work there. I haven't been and, to India. And uh, we saw some huge moves of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we, wow. The second time I went, the pastor said to me, you need to come here because people are starting to fall over in the spirit and we have never seen this in India before. And this was all done by fax machines because yeah. we had no internet. And so when I got there, they took me off the plane and put me straight into a church of about six or 700 women <laughs> and I preached to them and they translated it. And then we started to minister to them and, and the Holy Spirit was working in a powerful way. Wow. We, we would do a crusade, St. Paul, yep. at night 
and pastors from all around Tamil Nadu would come and ask this pastor to come and teach them on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Right? At that stage, I was a Church of Christ pastor, okay? <laughs> and I'm in there, and he would preach for two hours. So we'd do the crusade, we'd drive for two hours, and at like two o'clock in the morning, we would arrive in a village where they'd been worshipping God all night, waiting for these people to come. Wow. He would preach for two hours and then say to me, now you tell them, you preach to them and tell them why they get slain in the spirit. And I said to him, I don't understand it. <laughs> but we would watch, and it was like waves. We would stand together yeah. in the in the auditoriums, not just one, but all over the place. And he would say to me, I see the spirit over there. Or I would say to him, I can see the spirit moving over there. And as we would walk towards it, they would go down like a wave just breaking down. Wow. And yeah. people were getting delivered from demons, they yep. were getting healed, they were yep. getting filled with the Holy Spirit. There was stuff going on that had never happened before and it was quite just amazing. But we were working like we'd, we'd do crusade at 6 o'clock at night and we'd get back at 6 o'clock in the morning after travelling all night. Wow. Exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. Never seen anything Or, or like even it. stop the bus and sleep on the side yeah, of the road. Yeah, we can't drive anymore, so we yeah. sleep on the side of the road because there's too many head-on accidents happening. You know what India's yeah. like? <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> and too many accidents at night. I drove from Madurai to Madras one night during the night in wow. a four-wheel drive. We saw 12 head-on smashes on the road in one night. Mm. Incredible. It, 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 is, it is quite common when you talk no. about road rules <laughs> in, in, in India. No one follows them. <laughs> but incredible ministry. And, and I, you know, I really want to thank you for you know putting um putting the calling of honoring the calling of mm. call of god on your life yeah. and you and pam both yeah. and uh, you know sacrificing a lot of things and to bringing gospel not only here in australia but to the nations in africa russia asia india philippines Philipp india yeah. yeah and you know i thank you so much for that in closing i would like to ask you what would be your favorite scripture that you guys can hang on to like in your highs, in your lows? Or? God spoke to me many years ago and told me to seek first the kingdom of God mm. and all things, all things would be granted unto us. A and I really think that that was, um, this was right, wrong, right, right back. You know, but over the years he gives you many, many, many scriptures. I remember standing on Ephesians 3.20, you know, now unto him who was able to, you know, do exceedingly, do exceedingly abundantly, abu dare to do exceedingly, exceedingly abundantly. abundantly. And God did do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or, yeah. or think over the years. Yeah. I think over the time, God's really showed us who we are in Christ. It's taught us to stand on the Word of God. Mm. You've got to know the Word of God. Mm. You can't stand on promises if you don't know them. So You're the only promises. as good as your last faith stand. Mm. So you You're really, as good as yeah, the last one. So you really mm. need to know the Word of God. And as you read and study and search, He just opens amazingly. You know, mm. I like. Um, what's some of your favourite verses? Oh, my favourite, I think, would have to be uh, Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. Mm. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. And yeah. the life that I now live, mm. I live by faith. Mm. By faith in the Son of God who loved him, loved me and gave himself for me. I think that's an incredibly yeah. powerful verse. Mm. You know, Luis Palau, who was an evangelist, yes. came to Newcastle twice, died recently, went to be, well, went to be with the Lord. Yes. Um, that was his favourite verse. Oh. Yeah, and, uh, and interesting, but I think that's a fabulous verse. Yeah, it is. It, it is. is. Yeah. Um, Mark and Pam, um, you guys have still have that passion. It's not like, okay, uh, we are retired now. 
No. You're not like you still have that passion. You guys run some uh, courses at the granary. What are those courses that you guys? Well, we do. We we teach deeper, mm-hmm. and we've we've done Revelation, and we've done uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. We've done the Authority of Believer was the last one we did. Um, the next one we're doing is Daniel, which will start in September and deal with Daniel. Yeah. And um, just want to say that God is giving us a new assignment, which yes. we will work out and yeah. sort, sort out in the spirit and determine whether how that we do that. But this is massive. It is, yeah. And, and just goes forward in the future. Sam Paul, it's not how old you are mm. physically that's yeah. important. It is how, how open you are to God using you. you know? yes. Too many times they say, they look at you and they go, oh, you're too old. You're too old to preach. No. Nobody wants to listen. They do want to listen because the old people – Older people are full of wisdom and it understanding yeah. and, and the work of God in their lives and the experience and that needs to go out and be, be put into the younger lives so yes. that they can come up and be mentored in reaching out and becoming witnesses across the world for Jesus Christ. You had a great marks. mentor as a young yeah. man. Yeah. 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 I had some very good so, mentors. So much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Spot on, uh, Mark. There because it is so important. Oftentimes, with our VIPs age group or the seniors, mini- sure. seniors ministry, people have been like uh, put aside. Yeah. But you guys, are the one who've uh, gone through so much, yeah. and this our younger generation, we can just sit like this, sit in front of you and listen to your stories and just see God speak to us, revive us, encourage us and take us onto that, you know, passion that yeah. right now, you know, we don't see it in the same level, I feel like sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much. Is there a way that people can contact you uh, and, you know, to hear more from you? What would be the way to get in like every email or something that, um, email, phone. Yeah. What would be the address of the email? Do yours. Do mine. Oh, mine's an easy one because mine's uh, Hallett, which is double T, H-A-L-L-E-T-T, dot Pamela at gmail.com. It's an easy one. Can't forget that one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. And we'd love to talk to anybody about anything. We've got loads of stories. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and can Thank, I just say yeah. we we come to VIPs mm. with you know 100, 120, 130 people. Yes, there is so much anointing and talent out there mm. in these these older people, and so much life experience that's gone out there that that needs to be seen and yes. heard and understood. It's it's history that governs the future. Yes, that's right. Especially in the kingdom. Yes, amen, yeah. amen. Thank you so much, Mark and Pam. It's lovely and pleasure to have you here. And as you said, you know that this is the first of the many and uh, Mm -hmm. hopefully we get to hear more of the stories uh, from our VIPs uh, and and from you guys. And may God continue what you have started um, and um, raise more leaders. Uh, and ministers. It's been our pleasure. Thank you yeah. for having us. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah. To all our uh, listeners, we thank you so much for your time and uh, li- tuning into our uh, podcast. Um, this is the first podcast, but hopefully we can bring many more to you. Um, in closing, Mark, would you like to uh, close in prayer, please? Thank you, Sam Paul. Yes, I would. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we just bow in your presence right now. We give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. We called you holy, holy, holy. And we just ask that as this podcast goes out, that it will not be us talking about great things that we've done in the kingdom, 
which has happened, but we want to see that as a result of this, people listening in will be inspired by the Holy Spirit to do great things for God. Expect great things for God and do great things for God. And so thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for all your blessings upon us and the way that you pour out your love upon us. We love you and we we just love the way that you care for us in every way. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.